Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, July the 2nd. This week we're focusing on a special web project to do with an update on our series about health in the occupied Palestinian territory. That was published, you may recall, in March last year. This year we provide an update to that series. We publish 16 research abstracts. All the research has been done in Palestine. And in a moment you'll hear me discussing this special project with The Lancet's editor, Dr Richard Horton. But just before that, some other content highlights to give you from the issue. This is the issue July the 3rd to the 9th. The main thing to say about this week's issue is that it is rich in HIV content, as the issue will be going to the World AIDS meeting taking place in Vienna, Austria in a couple of weeks' time. Specifically, there are research articles looking at nurse management compared with doctor management of HIV patients. Also, research from South Africa concerning partner violence and the relation to HIV status. And this week's seminar takes a close look at current HIV management strategies. In other parts of the journal, look out for The Long Leader, which this week is examining the United States health system, and also a review which highlights how, unbelievably, there are 2 million deaths each year worldwide from diarrhoea. And, as the title of the review points out, we have the solution, so what is the problem? But as mentioned earlier, our main focus this week is an update to the 2009 series about health in the occupied Palestinian territory. Earlier I spoke to The Lancet's editor, Dr Richard Horton, to find out more. Richard, very much an update happening this week. Some context here. Just remind us in summary of what The Lancet initiated back in 2009 and what's new about the new series of publications that we've got this week online. Thanks, Richard. Yes, we launched this series, as you say, in the early part of last year, looking at various dimensions of health in the occupied Palestinian territory. And, of course, this came very shortly after the Israeli attack on Gaza. And it was, uh, you know, a terribly poignant moment. On the one hand, it was a, a great moment for us to reflect on what the health predicaments were in the area. But in another way, it was also a desperate tragedy. How on earth were we supposed to talk about science when there was so much terror, quite literally, had just taken place on the Gaza Strip? Nevertheless, the conference we had to launch that series went ahead, and it was the result of about two years' work and and was a really remarkable event, I think, um, for everybody who took part in it. But we wanted to come back to this, and so thanks to the collaboration with Bazaite University and a wonderful group of partners, including the Medical Aid for Palestinians and others, we did come back with this Lancet Palestinian Health Alliance to discuss health in the territory in March this year, a year later, at a conference at uh, the University of Berzite, just outside of Ramallah on the West Bank. And this was an opportunity really to review progress. It was a research-based meeting. Data were presented from researchers within the occupied territory, plus with collaborators from outside of the territory. And it's the best of these abstracts, which have all been through a very thorough peer review that are being presented online this week. And Richard, just briefly summarised some of the highlights. What are the main research findings coming out from that conference and the abstracts we're publishing online this week? Well, I think the main thing that comes out of it really is this detailed appraisal of what took place with the Israeli attack on Gaza in December 2008, January 2009. There's been an enormous amount of rhetoric and calls on both sides about this, and it's been very hard to get reliable data. But what we now have are reliable data, and probably the most 
most substantial finding is this survey of over over 3,000 households on the Gaza Strip, looking at about over a third of homes that were completely or partly destroyed, three quarters of which have yet to be repaired. A third of the population were displaced. There were a large number of injuries and disabilities. Quality of life got substantially worse. There are measurable high levels of insecurity, fear, threat, distress, suffering, all attributable to the siege and to the occupation and, of course, the war itself. And it has to be said also, Palestinian fighting uh, amongst different factions themselves. There are clearly some urgent priorities, and these are priorities that quite simply Gazans cannot address without the help of the international community. Repairs to homes, uh, better employment prospects, the provision of utilities such as water, electricity and gas. For over half of the Gazan population, they do not have reliable access to water, electricity and gas. This has to be the responsibility of the international community and, it must be said, to the responsibility of the occupiers and those who are responsible for the siege of Gaza, that is the government of Israel. This gives a very rich and somewhat frightening snapshot of what life is like on the Strip right now. Indeed, and to just want to mention some other examples. We, we published 16 abstracts. You don't need to go through all 16. And, and also, some, we've got a comment, haven't we, from medical students going actually into the Lancet um, about the plight and, and, the, and the desperate strain on the health system within, within the, the OPT. Yes, the abstracts cover a range of different issues, predicaments of women in pregnancy, both in Gaza and on the West Bank, injuries and disabilities caused by the Israeli attack on Gaza, including a a horrifying case report of white phosphorus burns in an 18-year-old civilian who had 30% wounds over his body thanks to the chemical burns caused by white phosphorus, which, of course, according to the UN Convention on Certain Conventional Weapons, is prohibited from attacks on civilians, and yet this is what was used in attacks on civilians. And we also have broader studies looking at the impacts of different aspects of health amongst Palestinians, not just in the Gaza Strip, but also in the West Bank, such as eating habits of Palestinian children, which shows some of the the predicaments they face in terms of undernutrition and underweight and and stunting to disability programs and health insurance schemes. So we have a wide range of issues covered in this. And I think what if one creates an event like this and you make it research-based, so this is not about speeches from famous people or dignitaries or politicians. This is about researchers doing good work in the field and reporting it at a conference and then putting it through the peer-reviewed literature. The point of this is that it gives you a very impressive report card on what life is like in a very, very difficult situation. And to me, um, as a doctor and as a scientist and as a journal editor, it's the best way to bring international focus and attention to this incredibly neglected population. You know, this is not a matter of party politics. This isn't a matter of just criticizing the occupying government of Israel. This is about saying, here are the human data. Here is the evidence 
which shows you that this occupation and the collusion of the international community in this occupation is literally destroying families, destroying the lives of children, ruining the prospects of, of adults uh, and women who have as every single right to a future as we do, who are not tied up in violence, who are not responsible for the political situation that, that is taking place th there, and yet who are collectively being punished by the government of Israel and the international community because of where they live. And that is what is most outrageous about this report's findings. Well, many thanks indeed, Richard. Um, a lot of food for thought there. Further information from thelancet.com where we have a dedicated webpage with links to all the abstracts, the online comments and the comments and the case report in this week's issue of The Lancet. Many thanks to Richard Horton and to you all for listening. We'll see you next week.